Our gospel this morning is from the sixth chapter of Matthew. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we, have, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for, yourself, for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. This morning, we continue to hear more of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, or as Pastor Scott called it last week, his State of the Union address. Last week, we heard Jesus declare a vision of the kingdom of God, which is seemingly backwards and upside down and simply wrong, according to any standard of our own human experiences. However, Jesus is sure to remind us that we are all blessed and that this does not come from having a lot of wealth or power or eternal happiness, but instead we are blessed because Christ blesses us and we are called to live into that identity as a beloved child of God and we are called to help others live into that same identity. But now Jesus moves away from his lofty and inspiring rhetoric and gives us this list of rules of how to live. Don't pray too long, he says. Don't look dismal while fasting. Don't store up your treasures on earth. Our formerly friendly Jesus sure is passing down a lot of laws, and the kingdom of heaven is seeming harder and harder to live into. However, I don't think this is actually what Jesus is doing here. I don't think Jesus is telling us how to live a more perfect life. I think Jesus is instead trying to respond to a culture that was focused on doing the most spiritual things and having the most perfect morality so that they may be known as being the most spiritual and the most perfect. This was a culture focused on making as many laws as possible so to ensure the morality and spirituality of the nation would not be corrupted against God. 
Yet in the midst of all of these laws, they kind of forgot to focus on the fact that God is present among them. So I think what Jesus is actually asking us to do, in fact, is to discover how we can simplify ourselves so that we can experience the kingdom of God together. I think Jesus is trying to tell us that we shouldn't feel forced to say long prayers of empty phrases or to think that we should be the most dismayed about what is happening around us. Being a disciple of Christ is not a competition, but instead it is about experiencing God's love around us through relationships with all people. I really think the ultimate question Jesus is asking us in this sermon is to think about if the things we are doing are done to make us look good, or if they're done so that relationships can be made and allowed to flourish, and so that a community can be formed so that together the kingdom of God might be experienced. I think it's interesting that Jesus uses this part of the sermon then to take a shift away from this lofty kingdom language and from these spiritual practices and turns it instead into the practicality of our treasure. In this section of the sermon, Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Okay, first of all, what is our treasure? Is it our financial treasures, our coins and dollars? Maybe it's our physical goods. Is it our time? Maybe it's even as simple as our attention span. Christ is asking us to examine where we are investing all of these things, all of these treasures. Are we investing them into worry about the future, into fear, into hatred, into the problems of the whole world? Where are we investing our treasures now and what would it look like to instead invest them into the kingdom of God? I think too often we try to complicate things. We try to get the biggest bang for our metaphorical buck. We often try to invest our wealth into what will ultimately give us the best outcome for our own investments. What does it look like to invest in the kingdom of God? I think it means to a certain degree actually simplifying our lives. I think it means getting rid of all of the complications we have invested in and placed on ourselves to appear perfect. Now, please don't mishear me. I'm not arguing for you to go and sell off everything that you have and to just live in the streets as if nothing matters. I'm not saying that you should not invest in your retirement plans or insurances. These things are important in our world today. But our identities shouldn't be wrapped up in them. Just like our identities shouldn't be wrapped up in long prayers or how dismayed we looked or maybe even long sermons. Again, we are called to ask ourselves, are we doing what we are doing to look good or to experience and witness to the kingdom of God? I've always said that our kids are often the perfect example of uh, faithful discipleship and after spending five hours with 25 of our kids on Wednesday in the midst of minus 55 degree weather I believe it or not still think that's true even though I'm convinced they're the ones who got me sick <laughs> on Wednesday in case you haven't heard 
We opened our doors to our families to come and spend some time out of the house while schools were closed in the midst of the cold. We gathered upstairs to do some arts and crafts and play games, get some social time in, and yes, even have our very own dance party. It was loud and often chaotic, and to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen Raynham Hall that big of a disaster. But after it was done, Pastor Joanne and I both made the comment that it's one of the easiest five hours we've ever had together. Why is this? I believe to a certain degree we all felt in that moment what the kingdom of God is really like. The kids didn't come to show off or to be perfect. They came to just be, and they came together as friends. Our kids of all ages, literally all ages, from three or four to seventh grade, all were playing together and helping each other, generally investing themselves into the lives of each other. For that five hours, there were no worries or concerns. There was just us in the midst of an exceptional cold outside, being together being ourselves. I think this is what Jesus is asking us to do in this sermon. Jesus is not handing down new laws to make us live a more perfect life. He's not demanding that we pray the Lord's Prayer perfectly or do everything the way he says explicitly. He's simply asking us to invest ourselves into the lives of our neighbor. He's asking us to open our doors when it's cold outside to invite people in, because everyone needs a warm place of respite and everyone needs to feel the love of God. Christ is asking us to invest just a little bit in the relationships of our family and peers, our colleagues, our friends, our coworkers, and yes, even the stranger. Christ is asking us to, in fact, stop trying to be perfect with the most perfect spiritual practices and the most perfect level of dismay about the world around us. Instead, he's asking us to simply go out. Go and build relationships with all people, especially those who are most vulnerable, who are the most in need. It's about the relationship, not our own perfect discipleship or perfect Christian morality as church. So I ask you this morning, what complications can you remove from your life so that you might be able to experience God's love for you and for everyone around you? Amen. Amen.